Hey, my name is Michael, and I get the honor of serving as the Youth and Community Engagement Director here at Central Christian Church. And we just want you to know up front, uh, one of the reasons we as a church exist is to help people find and follow Jesus. And so one of the ways we fulfill that is through our one friend focus. So we encourage you to invite a friend, a family member, or someone in the efforts to help them find and follow Jesus. And um, we just want you to know up front we are imperfect people in progress. And so all of us are on our own spiritual journey, and we're thankful that you would choose today to join us, and, and we hope that you would choose to call this place home. And you know, over the last few weeks, we've been diving into this series of Jesus Is. And I really love this series, and I've said it before, is because it really helps us understand the reality of who Jesus is to our lives and what he's done for us. And if, if you're just getting to know him, this is a great opportunity to jump in and understand a little bit about his character, his nature, and how he operates. And if you've known him for years, this is a great opportunity to expand on some of those revelations that you had. And this week, I get to teach on the topic of, I am the light of the world. And so we're just going to dive right into this message, if that's okay with you guys. And, and so the first thing that I want to do is kind of talk about what is light. I know that's kind of a silly thing to think about. We kind of all understand it. But really, light in a biblical term is in response to a Feast of Tabernacle that happened. And at this feast in the, the Bible, basically, the Israelites were commemorating their 40-year journey um, traveling in the wilderness and wandering around. And during this kind of celebration, they would light up the temple and, and then they would, basically it would resemble the, the pillar of fire that had guided them through Israel and their wilderness journey. And so people typically understood what this light meant. And you obviously understand what light means as well. Uh, maybe you've been camping at one point and, and you had to flick on your flashlight and it would help kind of guide you to where you were trying to go, if you're trying to go to the bathroom, all those kinds of things. And I don't have to sit here and kind of explain to you what light does, right? We've all had that moment where we're in a room and we're like, hey, could you turn on the lights so I could see a little bit better? So in a similar way, that's how light was for them in this response. And so just think of this kind of reality is that our galaxy has one sun, and it's the center of, um, of life. It's the source of life for all things here on earth. It gives life to plants. It gives life to us. And, and it allows us to function. And so in that same kind of reality is there's one God who is the center of all. And he's the source of all life. And so in simplicity, God is light. And wherever the light shines, it reveals man's wickedness. And so God brings light to what darkness truly is and and so the, God is light is what we're trying to get to right here. And so the opposite of light is darkness, right? We, we get that. We understand that. So what is darkness? If, if light symbolizes God, then darkness implies everything that is anti-God. So anything um, that is good is God, and that is light. Anything that is bad and not from God is anti-God, which is darkness. And so the Bible says it very plainly in John 1, 4 through 5. It says, in him was life. And it's talking about Jesus, it's talking about God. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. And so darkness, fun fact, does not understand what light is. And so that's why in times of, of, of searching and trying to find out ourselves, when we, we don't have the utmost, um, we don't know our identity, we are walking in darkness. And we don't understand what, what goodness is for us. 
And so I hope to kind of bring an understanding over the next few minutes of what light is. So there's a lot to un uh, unravel, and so I just hope that you guys would stick with me. But before we kind of go into the main teaching, I, I want to share a little bit of a personal story. And as some of you, if you've been around me or you've heard me speak, you know a little bit about my story. And over about nine months, two things kind of happened that changed the way that I seen love. Two things that really shaped and shifted my response to people and, and how I operate and why I operate the way I do today. And I, I always talk about my own personal stories um, in my teachings because it's really what uh, revealed and, and has convicted my heart of who God is and who he's been to my life. So if you hear the same stories over and over, it's because those were the moments that shaped and shifted. And, and those are the moments of my personal conviction of who God is. And so I want to share a little bit about a story. Um, I was in high school and trying to find my way. I didn't fully know who I was, and there was a lot of things going on. And, and you know, when you were in high school, you, you thought you had it all together. You were the know-it-all. You, you could do everything. But it, deep down inside, you were still trying to figure life out. Um, I had this friend who, who was really awesome. We grew up all the way from elementary school up into high school. And, and once we got into high school, for some reason, we didn't talk as much or hang out as much. We used to play football together every day before then. But, you know, when you get into high school, you're still trying, you're trying to figure it out. So I would hang out with my hockey friends, people that I, I thought I needed in my life. And I went out to lunch one day with a friend of mine, and she got a text message from our friend. And the funny thing about this is, is just before I continue, is that today marks um, his birthday. And so when I was prepping for this, I really didn't even think about it. But it's crazy how God orchestrates this kind of teaching. And, and so happy birthday. You're awesome. Um, basically in this time, we're, we're, we're at lunch and she gets a text message from him. And basically it says, hey, I, thank you for being such a good friend. I love you and, and thank you for all that you've done. And it was kind of a weird moment because people don't normally do that. And so she, she kind of was just like, oh, that's weird. And she asked me if I knew this friend. And I was like, yeah, we used to hang out all the time. He, he's awesome, like the, the greatest smile you would ever see, you know. And she was like, you should reach out to him. And a couple hours go by and I get a phone call from another friend. And I can't quite understand what the person is trying to say. Um, it's, they were crying and and then someone else takes over the phone and says, hey, Michael, it's Tyler. Um, Cynthia wanted me to call you, and she wanted you to know that Nick passed away. And I started gathering a little bit more information about my friend and, and what happened. And it turns out that my friend committed suicide. And I remember running to my mom and, and being like, Mom, this just happened. And all this confusion, and, and, and it felt like a really dark place and I started asking all these questions and, and wondering why, you know, why would someone, I, I have no idea what's going on. I'm in high school. I'm trying to figure myself out. My friend is gone and, and all these things surrounding me, school, family, like all these things are happening and this makes it all that more confusing. And so a few, few years go by and I still have all these questions about my friend and, and what happened and what took place. And I remember being in college and there was a moment where we were required, or not required, we were asked to go to a, a museum. And it, if we went to that museum for an hour and a half, we would be able to get extra credit. And so I went to this museum, and honestly, I just sat at a bench for an hour and a half, waiting for the time to pass by just to get this credit. Then I checked in with my teacher, and I was like, hey, I've been here for an hour and a half. Um, I'm, I'm going to head out now. And so I got my credit. 
But then I remember driving home, and the reality hit me that I passed by like hundreds and hundreds of sculptures, paintings, things that artists created. And I didn't take one moment to get to understand it or to, to, to realize what those things meant. And I remember thinking of kind of my friend and his reality. And I wrote this short, short little story in this, um, when I got home just to kind of help me process and, and think about it. So I'm going to share it. So it's a little bit longer, so stick with me. It says, it's crazy. At one moment, you were just a blank canvas. You looked like you produced no value and millions of people could walk by and never acknowledge that you existed. I'm sure it was painful to be ignored, but that's life and it happens to all of us. It's actually quite sad. In reality, we all really just want to be noticed. Even if it's for a moment, it feels nice and that feeling's hard to come by. We live in a world where pain is a routine and happiness is a miracle. As the years went by, moments of happiness would come and shortly be replaced with scars of distress. These moments shaped you, and truth is no one really took the time to get to know you. You sat down at places hoping someone might ask how you were doing. That way you could actually tell them the truth. But you knew also if anyone asked that they didn't really care to know. And you really, all you really needed was a minute to talk, to have a relationship with the person, but I guess these days it's rare. Rare to find someone who cares, someone who loves, and someone who gets it. Even your friends and family will let you down, and it sucks, but for some reason, you of all people needed to find out the hard way. It's weird, though. It seemed like you were such a good person, and the first thing when I thought of trouble most certainly wasn't you. But for some reason, you felt that bad luck followed you wherever you went. I always wanted to say something to you, but I often let my new friends decide if I would or not. You see, I knew deep down inside you might want to talk. You didn't need it to say anything for me to get it, but there was really something weird about you. It's like you watched everyone. I remember one day I was at my locker and you were sitting and I simply said, what's up, dude? You didn't reply, but the simple smile on your face showed a glimpse of hope. I still see it and often wonder if I would have stuck around a little bit longer if you'd be there. Maybe if I didn't decide to leave you freshman year and hang out with my new friends, things would be different. It's awkward and even years later, I still question it all. Life takes some crazy turns, but I'm not sure you had to do that. Then again, I guess I didn't really understand you. I guess it took something like this for me to see that you weren't just a blank canvas. You were a work of art just waiting to be displayed for the world to see. You had an amazing story and a heart filled with love, but just like everyone who doesn't appreciate art, I would walk by and ignore everything you represented. And the reason I share this story is because I feel that we live in that same reality when it comes to God. I feel like we can go our whole life wanting to get to know him, but walking by the truth that he's speaking. We, can, we don't spend time in our word. We don't spend time getting to know him. We don't get, spend time understanding the God who's created everything. And I would even dare to say that this statement is that we don't understand light until we understand our need for it. You see, we can't fully understand something until we understand the depths of it. So we're going to take a look at this I am statement and it's in scripture, it's found in John 8, 2. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So these questions come to my mind as, what does of the world mean? What is darkness? What, what, what does this kind of encompass and why is it so important to us? You see, it says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And this means that if we're not following him, that we do walk in darkness. 
And that darkness is located everywhere. It's, it's in the world. It's in our hearts at times. And, and I can't help but think of these three kind of statements when, when I think of the reality of the light of the world. And the first thing that I think that the, the world must know is that the world has no other light in the world but Jesus. You see, it's not some complicated thing. But we make it pretty complicated. We think that, that it has to be a certain way. It has to be our way. But, but God has got a perfect plan for us. You see, we can search the whole world for answers. But I'll tell you right now that the world has no other light in the world but Jesus. So all our answers must come from him. And I love that we don't have to earn our way to Jesus. You see, we don't have a, a grocery list of things that we need to accomplish to, to find him or, or to follow him. But simplicity, all we have to do is get to know him. We don't have to, to get an A plus on this test. We don't have to, 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 to get anyone's information. But it's just literally us and him. And he's the only king who meets our needs with sacrifice. He's the only person in the world who's able to do what we want with the sacrifice on a cross. And I, and I love that because Romans, it makes it pretty clear. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. But we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You see, he's the only king who focuses on relationship. Rather than a set of rules, he, he longs for relationship with us. This means talking to him, reading his word, diving into the depths of his soul, understanding who he is, you know. You can't understand who your wife is or how she operates by just seeing her and looking at her and being like, oh, she's the one. You have to get to know what makes her mad, what makes her angry, what, what, what uh, brings joy to her heart, and that same thing goes for Jesus. But you know, you can't really get those things from anyone else. So my question to you would be is like, do you long to spend time with Jesus? I know in my own life, there's moments and seasons where um, I, I get so busy and I get caught up with things and it's not necessarily at the forefront of my mind. You see, life happens and I get it. It's summer, we're going on vacations, we're doing all these things, but man, we need to spend time with him. You see, it's doable, even when it seems hard, like he's, he's there, he's, he's with us and the Bible makes it super clear. The Bible makes it clear in saying, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call, call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. In Psalms 145, 18 through 19. You see, what's awesome is we don't have to appease God to receive his favor. He already showed us his love for us by sending his son to die on a cross. In place for our sins. That's an amazing truth. It's an amazing reality. And, and the separation between us and God, while we were his enemies, was appeased when he, when he died and resurrected. And we didn't have to do anything except believe in him and receive his love. And that's what saves us. That's what, that's what brings us into the fullness. His sacrifice saves us, and our yes fulfills it. We get so much through that. You know, we know that we're saved in this moment. Because he, he spoke all these things. He, he, he died on a cross. He resurrected. And three days later, the tomb was empty. You see, if the tomb isn't empty, then everything that the prophets spoke of were wrong. Anything that Jesus said in his ministry is obsolete. All of those things that we hear growing up, all of those things, if the tomb was not empty, then it doesn't matter. But the truth is, guess what? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that tomb was fully empty. 
And the scripture declares it. And, and guess what? Today he's still active. He still saves. He, he's still in the business of healing. He's still in the business of loving. He's still in the business of setting people free. And I love that, 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 that the scripture declares that it's empty and it brings proof and light to it. It says, he is not here for he has risen. As he said, man, he spoke it and he did it. And that, that just goes to verify all of his promises, all the things that he speaks come true. And so come and see the place where he lay in Matthew 28, 6. And so because of that, because the tomb is empty, we need to understand something. It's that that, that kind of reality is a response to our need. You see, the result of his saving power and the sacrifice on the cross is specific to us. And that's why my second point is everybody needs Jesus as the light. You see, the reason that Jesus is the only one able to bring true peace and joy and love is because we only know love through him. You see, no other person, no other God, no other, any individual you can cultivate in your own mind was able to do what he has done. And it was only through his sacrifice that we experienced those. And it's only Christ who gives true meaning to our lives. And the reason for that is because only the creator of all things is able to define and give meaning. You see, you don't get to go to that museum and look around and pretend that it means a certain thing. You don't get to establish what someone else's work of art means. Now, they, they put these little things on the side of painting so you can kind of understand the truth of what paintings are. But if you're like me and, and you've taken time to go to a different museum, you would look at things and just be like, I don't know, they kind of all just look weird. They kind of all just look like um, splatter paint. They kind of all just look like I have no idea what they really look like. But only one who gives meaning to these things is able to define those things, and that is the creator of those things. And so only the creator gets to define and bring life to something, and Jesus does that for our lives. And only we are able to understand that because of his grace and his mercy and his love for us. See, the Bible says that God created us in his own image. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So because of that, we understand that he created us and he gives meaning to our lives. He brings value to our lives. He determines our worth. He finishes what our identity is. And we need him as our only experience in life. And we, we need to understand that, that inheriting the kingdom and experiencing true life is only a result of knowing him. You see, we need him to inherit the kingdom. We only experience the fullness of peace, joy, love, and all that is good to the one who created it all. And his desire is for us to experience his light to the full. In John 10.10, 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the fullness is the result of reconciliation with us to the Father. You see, we were made perfect with him through his sacrifice. And he made it clear that the only way to inherit the kingdom and all that comes with it is through the Father. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so how do we do that? How do we understand that kind of, that kind of power? And the only way to truly understand this light is by receiving his love for you. See, all those things, they are, they are facts and they are true and we can't deny those things. But, but the only way we can truly understand this light is by receiving his love. 
And we all love Jesus, right? We all are wanting to know him. Maybe some of us are just checking him out. But you, you have to be able to receive Jesus' love in order to understand these things. And the reason we know love is a result of, of us receiving his love, so we must receive it. So knowing Jesus is important, and, and one of the realities is, is that it's cool to say, like, I love you too to someone. I heard this one story once from a spiritual mentor of mine, and he, he, he kind of explained receiving the love of Jesus in this way. For years, he would tell his, his sons and daughters, hey, I love you. And he, he would do things to show them that he would love them, take them to get ice cream, teach them about God, and, and do all these things. And he would always say, like, hey, I love you. And they would say, I love you too, Dad. And there was one moment when he said to one of his children, I love you. And they responded with, Dad, I know you love me. And something kind of clicked in his mind where the reality was true that his son or daughter understood the fact that he loved them and for the first time it felt like they received the love that he gave. You see, it's different from saying I love you too because that gets repetitive. But knowing and understanding love is a product of receiving it. And we only know love because we receive it from God. And the Bible uh, sets a very clear picture. It says we love because he first loved us in 1 John 4.19. And over the years, I, I kind of had this question of, of what love was. And if you've heard me speak, maybe you've heard this, this from me, but I kind of consider myself like the love master, which is why I'm 29 and single. Um, but over the years, I had different definitions of love. And so for a while, I thought that love meant to get along. And so I, I think of getting along, and I often think about my brothers and sisters. How many of you have brothers and sisters Probably a good portion of us. But I remember moments um, my brother and sister would always get in fights and arguments. And there was one moment where my sister and brother got in a fight and my brother called my sister trash. And it was in that moment my mom and dad got so mad and they made my brother write a hundred reasons why my sister wasn't trash. Reason number one, because we don't take her out every Tuesday to get taken away and never seen again. And he had to write all these reasons of why she wasn't trash. And another time they got in a fight, my parents made them um, sit outside the house and hold hands as traffic came by and, until they got along. And even me, I was kind of the annoying sibling. I would go in my sister's room and, and get her shoes and put them on different sides of the house. So when she would get ready, she would have to find them. And you know, this kind of reality, if love is to get along and we don't really get along with our brothers and sisters, then maybe it's got to be something deeper than that. And so as I started getting a little bit older, I started thinking, man, maybe love is about romance. You start seeing it on TV, you start seeing it everywhere, right? It's a love-driven love generation, every single generation. And I, I started um, seeing girls in a whole new way. You'd be like, hey, she looks cuter than she looked before. And all these things would happen, but how many of you guys know that when we start falling in love, we start doing weird things, guys start seeing the world in a whole new way? We start looking at flowers and buying flowers and, and doing all these things. And we're like, man, I'm going to be with this girl forever. But girls, they're a little bit crazier, right? They get a little bit more ambitious and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to marry him. I love Duncan. And she like starts writing Duncan all over her arm over and over and over. But then she has to hide it because when she gets home, she doesn't want her dad to know that she's dating a guy named Duncan. 
And a couple weeks go by, right? We're in high school. Everything's feeling good. Duncan's in love. But then something happens. What? They break up. And he goes, oh, I'm going to be with her forever to never. And the only Duncan that she loves is Duncan Donuts at this point. And all these things start happening. And on a more serious note, at the same time, when I was in high school, my friend's family started going through divorces. And so if love is about romance, but these kind of romances don't last, then maybe it's got to be something greater. And so it was about this time in high school where my friend was now gone and this reality hit that, that I don't understand what love truly is. I have this other friend who was a Jesus lover who, who ran to me at school and he came up to me and he said, Hey man, I heard about Nick and I want you to know, man, if there's anything that you need, I'm here for you. It was kind of, uh, I started questioning that, you know, because people only show up when, when things like this happen. And a few months go by later and my grandfather passes away and a knock on my door happens again. It's that same friend who, who was knocking on my door and he says, Michael, I heard about your grandfather and I want you to know that I'm here for you. And it was that moment that sparked a question of what is love? And love to me in this moment shifted, it changed, and, and it became the statement of love is to sacrifice for someone else's good. You see, my friend, it was in between that time that he started showing me my worth. He started explaining to me things I never understood. He started telling me that I had a purpose. He started telling me that God loved me. He started showing me the truth. And it was almost that all this darkness that I was in in my whole life, questioning who I was, unsure of my identity, unsure of where I was going, was brought to light with the simple phrase of you are loved. And it was in his sacrifice that he spent time telling me these things. You see, it's love that gives us hope. You see, it was this love that was made for us. And the world was made for this same kind of light. My third point is the world was made for this light. And one day the world will be filled with Jesus' light only. In other words, our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus fulfills his promise. And, and, and he fulfills the needs of his people who have fully received who he is. You see, it's with this we get a chance to shine his light. And it's, it's the light that fills others. It's the light that brings joy. It's the light that exposes darkness. And it's the light that we were created for, but we were also created to bring him glory. You see, the Bible says this very clearly. It says, everyone who is called my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. In Isaiah 43, 7, in simplicity, this is saying that we were made for his glory, so we must give him glory. And glory means to put confidence in and boast about or praise something. And you see, when we're gifted something, naturally what we want to do is shout people out. I've had moments where my parents give me really awesome gifts, and, and what I want to do is I want to go to Instagram, and I, I want to hype them up. I want to say, thank you, Mom and Dad. I want to post what they did, and I want to hype people up. You see, we shout them all out, and we want the whole world to know of such a great gift. You see, people love being honored, and it's not because it's what we live for, but because it's what brings joy to our hearts. And it feels nice. And that same reality exists when we recognize the light of Jesus. You see, we, when we bring him glory and honor, it's what exposes all the darkness. It's what gives meaning. It's, it's, what, it's what brings truth into a circumstance. It's what brings hope. And it completes our identity in him. You see, it's this light that brings value and meaning to our lives. 
We naturally, as people, want to be valued, and, and no one wants to live a meaningless life. And the fun fact is that value and honor is not a choice when you're loved by God. It was finished, and it was sealed when he died and resurrected. It was there that he proved our worth. It was there that he, he showed that he loved you. It was at that moment in Calvary where God resurrected. He came back, and he said, oh, the fullness is there for you if you so choose. And it was there he gave us something to hold on to. You see, this is the only light that the world needs. This is the only world, uh, this is the only light that the world has, and it's the only light that will fill the world. And I love this verse in Scripture. It's a long one, so bear with me. But I feel like it kind of um, says all of what I had to say in, in one verse. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, I love this verse because this verse lets us know that the world has no other light than Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we experience the fullness of freedom. It's only through Jesus that we, we get what we actually desired. There's a reason that when we chase after things that don't align with, with, with who God is or God's will for our life is that we always feel empty. There's a reason that, that Jesus is the only one who can bring us true joy. You see, everybody needs Jesus as their light. Whether we fully um, receive this as truth or not, this is a fact is that he is the only one who can bring us to the places that we desire. Because he is the one who created us for it. See, we only receive our identity when we receive him as, as our savior. We only receive joy when we receive his joy. Because everything that he's done is perfect. Everything that he operates in is perfect. And because of that, we get to choose to love him. You see, the world was made for this light. In other words, man, we have hope because of Jesus. And one day the, the world will be filled with Jesus' light only. And it says every knee will bow. And we'll all be in perfect community with him if we so choose him as our Savior. We don't need to be walking around wondering about this light. And you see, for years I was, was wondering about who Jesus is. 
I was wondering, and, and I heard all about him. Maybe you grew up in the church, and, and you heard that God died for us. You heard all the stories. You heard all those things, but it never seemed real to you. But there was a moment when one person reached out and showed me that true love existed in the form of sacrifice. And it was at that moment that all darkness was gone and light was revealed to me. And that light is Jesus. Because he truly did save me. He truly did set me free. You see, we get to understand his masterpiece. In that same way, you can read about what a painting means. Man, all you got to do is open up your Bible. It's the same thing. It shares about his nature. It shares about his glory. It shares about what's happening next. It shares about how he operates, all those things. And we often wonder, like, how come I'm not hearing from him? How come, I'm, how come I don't understand these things? It's, man, we got to take the time to get to know him. And I want to encourage you to take your land. Don't be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Don't wander around aimlessly. The light is right there in front of you, and his name is Jesus. This light should be our greatest desire. And you need to understand that you need him. And it's, not only th it's only through him that we experience salvation and inherit the kingdom. And so uh, this, this message, as we bring it to a close, it's for two people. It's for those of you who, who call Jesus your friend. It's for those of you who, who, who have accepted him into your life. And to understand him is to, to be so in love with who he is. It's to make him first in your life. To put him before your wife. To put him before your husband. To put him before your job. To put him before your children. Because all good things flow through him. And so my encouragement to you is to ask yourself, man, where do you stand in your walk with him? And I, now I'm not questioning whether or not you love him. But what I'm saying is, man, could there be an increase coming? Could there be moments where God wants to speak to you more now than ever? And so I pray that he does that. And, then, and this message is for the second person, is for those of you who are just checking him out or don't even know him at all. I mean, I would encourage you to open up the Bible. I would encourage you to get invested with community. Uh, consider coming to our in-person services. Consider joining groups. Consider being a part of this family to get to know him and plug yourself into like-minded people who, who are desiring to know Jesus as well. Because it's through those moments where you truly do get to know the man who, who created you, the man who, who's invested in you, the man who knew you before you were in your mother's womb. It's in these moments that that darkness gets exposed and light is brought before our very eyes. You see, it's been years and years and years since, since my friend has been gone. And though it was a hard time, I remember specifically one person going out of his way to, to, to reach me and share the light of Jesus. And the light was so bright that I couldn't resist it. It was that light that brought me to a church and and had me pray a prayer. It was that light that, that showed me that I was loved. And it was that light that, that I spoke to God and said, if you're real, you have to use me. And over the last few years, I've had an awesome opportunity of getting to know him in, in a real deep way and see him move in power, see him save people, see people get healed, and see people come to know their true identity. And so my prayer is that just by you desiring to know who he is, that the light would be revealed to you. And so I just want to pray for, for every single person who would hear this message, that you would understand that the world has no other light but Jesus. 
and that everybody needs Jesus as the light. And then to fill you with hope that one day this world will be filled with the light of Jesus and Jesus only. So God, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your saving power. I thank you that you came to set us free. I thank you that, that your word is truth, that, that because of you, we get to experience freedom, joy, hope, and life in general. And God, I thank you for sending your son to die for us. I thank you that that, that, re that reality is that the tomb was empty. And the results of that is us being able to inherit the kingdom of God if we so choose. So God, I pray that, that people would come to know you. God, those who have known you their whole life, God, I pray that there would be an increase in understanding of who you are, an increase in a love of who you, who you are to their lives. God, would you bring um, greater revelation of love and joy. And God, I pray for those who are checking you out, who wanna get to know the man Jesus. God, I pray that you would reveal your nature to them. God, I pray that they would give time to get to know you. God, that they would ask questions, that they would get invested, that they would uh, find people who, who know you, God. And those people would help uh, bring light to areas of darkness in their life. And God, we thank you that you are only the true light, God. We thank you that it's only through your saving power and grace we experience and understand this world. And so, God, I pray for every single person. God, I ask that we would come to love you more, that we would desire you more. God, we love you, we need you, and we certainly can't live without you. In Jesus' name.